0: RETURN TO DALLAS By Robert P. Fitton RETURN TO DALLAS Chapter 31 Adonis Restaurant, 4.06 p.m. Patch sipped the cold water and set the glass back on the white linen tablecloth. Sherry closed her eyes as she sat upright in the restaurant chair. He reached over and held her hand. A slight smile crossed her lips when she opened her eyes. You wish you were home. She nodded. How did you know? Hopefully this is the end of our work. She looked toward the front door. I'm just waiting for the clown with the shotgun to come walking in. Patch nodded as a man with trim dark hair and glasses approached the table. He wore a pricey black suit and a simple red tie and extended his hand before he reached the table. I'm Richard Kane. Good afternoon, said Patch, not quite sure about this guy. Lemon and lime. Yes, Sherry answered. Kane stared at Patch. My people don't even know what this is all about. The waiter circled over to the table. Abalone gin tonic. What can I get for you? Coke is fine, said Sherry. I will have a coke, said Patch. vigilo Il mio telefono See. First of all, I want to hear it from Johnny himself, and so does my boss. Who told you we'd be here? Kane again fixated on Patch as if he hated his guts. Who the hell do you think you are? Then why don't you clarify it for us, demanded Patch, so we can verify it's legitimate. Kane looked stunned that Patch would challenge him. Regano, he vouches for you, Patch, but I want to hear it from Johnny. I know he called Sam to allow you up here. We want to know about Thomas Arthur Valley, said Patch. I don't give a shit what you want. Then he walked right up to Patch. I want to know if you or anyone else has met with a Negro Secret Service agent named Abraham Bolden. Don't know him, said Patch. What about the Taurus and Vidal? No. Cain squished his mouth as if he were ready to spit out a sour lemon. If Bolden contacts you, I want to know about it. And I will call Gerald A. Bain of the Secret Service to take care of Bolden. You got that name? Gerald A. Bain. No, for Christ's sake, Abraham Bolden. He stared at Patch with a holy hatred. You stay right here. You're being watched. I'll be right back. Patch turned to Shari. Once Kane was around the corner. This was a huge mistake. She held his wrist. Well, we can't exactly leave, Patchy, she said, looking toward the little guy in the turtleneck by the front door. Okay. I see him, said Patch. It's like we're poking into the hornet's nest. Kane is making a phone call right now. If it gets hairy, we can call Rosselli. Kane returned a few minutes later. He faced Patch with his brow creased and his teeth gritted. Listen, asshole. I just called Johnny in Vegas. You better hope he calls back before I've had enough of your happy horse shit, regardless of whether he called Sam before. He'll call, said Patch. Who the fuck are you? A man who wants to know about Lee Oswald, aka AJ Hidell. Kane hit the table with his clenched fist. That's enough. A simple question, asked Patch as Sherry's mouth dropped. Kane nodded to the guy at the door. Switch, bring our friends upstairs. Yes, sir, Mr. Kane. Sneering, Switch slipped out a little black handgun. He had a gravelly voice. Walk across the restaurant, no sudden moves, up the stairs in the corner. Patch gripped Sherry's clammy hand as they crossed the plush rug. Switch waved the gun toward a carpeted staircase with green-striped wallpaper. They ascended in the dimly-lit hall to a second-floor suite with towering windows surrounded by green velvet drapes overlooking the traffic on North Reno Boulevard. Now what? asked Patch. Three additional men, all with weapons and glum expressions, took positions in front of the inner entrances. Patch looked into Sherry's brown eyes. A stocky hulk in a striped shirt entered through the door on the right. He stared at the rug as he walked, and ended up directly in front of Patch. Without flinching, he hit Patch with a devastating right cross, sending him onto the white velour sofa. Sherry screamed, and the man threw her to the sofa as Patch's eyes cleared. The guy lifted him into the air. Why are you bothering, Mr. Kane? We were instructed to come here. Again, he smacked Patch, and before he realized it, Patch hung over the sofa arm. Who the hell are you and what do you know about Mexico City? We think you're snooping around what Dick did down there in 61. Patch shook his aching head. Blood flowed down into his mouth. No! Sherry threw her body around him. Kane was back. His dark eyes had no emotion as he glared at Patch and Sherry on the sofa. They don't know nothing. Kane pressed his lips. Let me tell you, goon, something. All these questions you have, you tell Johnny that I'm heavily involved in checking all these leads, understand? Yeah, said Patch, trying to recover. Here's what I have. Valley has a 1962 Ford Falcon, New York registration license plate 311 ORF. It's registered in New York to the individual you mentioned, Oswald. And Oswald was here last April with the Fair Play for Cuba committee. Additionally, you tell Johnny he knows why those Cubans were sent up here. Valley is a nutcase, and we're on it. Patch spoke in a low voice. Okay, Chicago is a long way from Havana, said Kane, grinding his teeth. You listen to me, you wannabe. I just talked to Tampa. If I hadn't, you'd be dead now. I worked with Santo back in 1960, trying to poison this son of a bitch Castro. So did Verona. For 200 grand, Johnny got that whole thing going. Johnny is the only reason I called Tampa. So you send your strong man in here and I think he broke my jaw. Kane never apologized. Valley and his Cuban buddies are being funded by Verona. Why is the car registered to Oswald who's in Texas and Louisiana? Asked Sherry. I don't get into the reasons why. Kane and his thugs left through separate doors. Sherry turned to Patch. Patch, we need to get some ice for your jaw. I hate that man. We both stood. I'm alright. Let's get back to New Orleans. She locked arms with Patch and they descended the stairs. We're in this thing. Way over our heads. We can't get out. A rotund man with black hair stepped up to the table. Good afternoon, I am Florenzi Bonucci. You are the owner of the Adonis. He removed a TWA airline ticket holder from his suit pocket. I have your tickets to Tampa. Tampa, asked Pat. Contact will meet you at the airport and you will be back in New Orleans by the weekend. A limo will now take you to O'Hare. He handed the tickets to Patch and said nothing more as he headed to the front lobby now what patch patch pursed his lips if it gets us out of town i'll do what i'm told return to dallas chapter 32 drew field municipal airport tampa florida 7:14 pm at the gate in tampa two cubans with buzz cuts and olive t-shirts paced like cage animals at feeding time as soon as patch and sherry disembarked the aircraft the men scuffed up the red suitcase and whisked them both to the airport's parking lot. What's the problem, demanded Patch, as they all jogged down toward a red and white Ford station wagon parked along the chain-link fence. The problem is you, said the man with a silver Rolex watch. Me? They're after you, man, said the guy in back of him. Don't you understand that? Who, asked Sherry. The U.S. government. They want you in custody. We need to get out of here right now. He slid the suitcase in the back of the station wagon and slammed the rear door. Patch followed Shari into the back seat. Before the front door closed, the Rolex man had already started the car. He quickly shifted across the parking lot. Who told you this about the government? asked Patch. When neither man answered, Patch leaned into the front seat. The CIA? The FBI? Shut up! He clenched his fists and leaned forward. Where the hell are you taking us? I have orders. Patch leaned back and shook his head. After a few turns, the station wagon climbed the freeway ramp. Patch removed his 38 and placed the gun at the driver's temple. The driver glanced at the gun. Oh, come on, idiot. Where are we going? Guy Lopez Field, okay? Two men from Mr. Traficante are there for your protection. Now put your toy away. Why didn't you say that from the beginning? Patch's eyes swung back and forth between the two men. He leaned back with the gun still across his chest. We'll be there in a few minutes. Right. Early in the evening, half a dozen light towers rimmed the little baseball field. More advertisements than wood slats formed the outfield fence. The only seating for the ball field consisted of seat rows below the grandstand from the first to the third baseline. With Sherry by his side, Patch carried the red suitcase and jogged with the two men to the red seats under the ball net behind home plate. The Rolex guy did the talking. Mr. R.D. Moynihan? Mr. R.D. Moynihan, Mr. Connors will be out here momentarily. They are associates of Mr. Traficante and Mr. Marcello. Moynihan was a bouncer for the Stiletto Club in New Orleans, so no lip. Where's Traficante? asked Patch. I don't know. Patch again removed the thirty-eight, but kept it snug on his lap. A navy-blue DeSoto with white fins stirred the dust behind the fence. The car turned abruptly to the side road along the stadium and came to a stop diagonally in the dirt behind the grandstand. A bald man in a light suit and a middle-aged man with glasses in a dark suit entered the stadium. When they saw Patch and Sherry and the Cubans, the gentleman in the dark suit moved ahead of the other man. You kincaid? Kate? Yes, put the piece away, will you, Kid K? The bald guy waved his hands at the Cubans. Okay, scram! Jesus, everyone is so jumpy. The Cubans shuffled back along the home plate seats and ran back to the station wagon. They told us the government is after us, said Patch. Don't worry about it, said the older man with glasses. How can I not worry about it? Both of you, he said, watching the station wagon round the outside fence. Below the grandstand, we got to make some calls and get some cover before we leave. Patch lifted the suitcase. Where's Mr. Trafficante? Miami, said the older guy. Sometimes it's good to stay on the move. Confuse the bastards. Right. They rounded the seats and descended the main aisle. A constricted yellow corridor led behind the grandstands. The payphones hung on the cinder blocks. Patch and Sherry sat at an aluminum picnic table next to the closed concession stands. He set the suitcase on the table. The two men, like robots, threw change into the public phones. Yeah, this is R.D., said the man with the glasses. No shit. You want me to collect the money? Sure. Give me a day, I'll get it. No, Connor said on the other phone. Hoffa hasn't even come down here and he won't. No way. I'll check with Mr. Trafficante. He hung up the phone as Moynihan's next call went through. Connors put more money in the slot. Moynihan banged the cinder block with his left hand. My interest in the Red Robin Club entitles me to know what the take was for yesterday. You just get me that take you'll be out on the street and I'll put you out there myself. Mr. Regano. He told me what Jimmy Hoffa said to tell Tarifacante. He said, we're running out of time. No more fucking around. I know. If I'm needed... Sure. Either Miami or here. Right. Morales is breathing down everyone's neck. I can't do that. I think you're talking about leaving the building windows open. That's all that's needed, because the turn is sharp. I understand. Yes, sir. They're all here with me right now. Yes, that's what I wanted to check. I will tell him, Frank. We'll check back at 11. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye now. Yes, said Moynihan. Mr. McWillie needs to know I'll be in Vegas on the 22nd, right? Quantas moved up to Moynihan. R.D., you need to call Sturgis about the Floridian. Moynihan nodded and both men walked across the cement. We're taking a little trip. Where? You ask a lot of questions, Kincaid. It's my nature, Moynihan. Moynihan stopped and adjusted his tie. You don't know how much danger you're in. You're a liability, and Kincaid, when you're too big a liability, you'll end up dead. Moynihan drove them into a suburban neighborhood, and after sunset, pulled into a tract house driveway. Check the yard, Connors, he ordered. You two are about to meet with a well-connected man, so be respectful and pay attention. He shut off the car, and Connors instantly moved around the side of the house. A few minutes later, the bald man waved them forward. Once they were fully stopped and had Moynihan's permission, they stepped onto the cement drive. Patch removed the suitcase and carried it up the walk. Moynihan motioned them through the front doorway. Seated at the table was a gray-haired man writing something in a notebook. Next to him was a tan briefcase. Here they are, John. The man nodded and finished writing. Then he stood and shook hands with Patch and Sherry. John Martino, pleasure. Sit down. Are we here for a reason, Mr. Martino?" He looked up and then stared. You're here because they got you out of Chicago just in time. At 5 p.m., a group of FBI agents descended upon the Adonis restaurant. They were looking specifically for you, too. Naturally, Mr. Kane denied ever meeting you. I don't understand why they're after us. Don't act so innocent, Patch. I was locked up with your buddy Mankiewicz until after the missile crisis. Okay. You're still playing innocent. Doesn't matter. The last thing you need is to be questioned by J.M. Wave. We have a group of people who are insulated from the government. Do you understand? I think so. Bill Harvey has talked to Helms, but there's only so much Helms can do with the Kennedys running the show. Bill is persona non grata politically since the attorney general humiliated him. Helms sent him to Italy. Why? Martino's face assumed a scary solemnity. See, during the missile crisis, Bill sent his commandos. Eight of them to Cuba from Summerland Key. A Cuban patrol boat got to them, and six of them made it back to the boat. Just as Kennedy is giving his speech about the world blowing up, Bill is attacking. So that was the end of it? No, Bill sent ten more teams in there, right when we were on the edge of World War III. The attorney general called it a half-assed operation. He walked out of the room while Bill was giving an explanation. Bill always called him that fucker. They hated each other. You don't treat a career man like Bill Harvey as if he was some first-grade government recruit. One time, Bill sits down, takes out his gun, and spins it around until the barrel is pointed right at the attorney general. Word has it that Bill hates Bobby's guts with a purple passion. Okay bobby was chief counsel on the Clinton committee he humiliated sam Giancana on national tv what did he do bobby said he giggled and only little girls giggled you don't do that to people i know bill harvey will never forgive a worse humiliation and now he's in italy no not all the time he still runs the assassination program patch he brought johnny Rosselli into the program to kill castro I saw him in LA with Mr. Rosselli. You probably did. Let me tell you something about Johnny Rosselli. Everyone thinks he's this fixer or some powerful ladies man. You know, handsome Johnny. What do you mean? asked Patch. As I said, Bill brought in Johnny to get Castro. He did everything they told him to do and more. Johnny Rosselli has put his life on the line for his country. And so did Bill. He lit a cigarette and leaned toward Patch. Let me tell you something about the Kennedys. They don't get it. They snuffed out Bill's career like a used cigarette. And Jesus Christ, they want to put Johnny in jail. Johnny said he was helping the government, helping the country. And that little son of a bitch is breaking my balls. Heck, back in the 50s, Bill had a GS-16 civil service rank. That's the equivalent of a brigadier general. I didn't know that. Martino nodded his head with his mouth open, as if he had already said too much. This wouldn't be happening if Joe Kennedy hadn't had a stroke on the golf course. What do you need us to do, Mr. Martino? You lay low in one of Santos' houses while he's in Miami. I know Frank Regano is putting pressure on the government to back off. Listen, the people I deal with only know one thing. What's that? How to deal with suckers. You know what a sucker is? A sucker is like that arrogant Irish son of a bitch in the White House. A sucker is someone whose biggest weakness is he thinks he's on top. And the more you make him think that, the biggest sucker he is. The phone rang and Moynihan answered. He looked at Martino and held out the phone. Martino nodded and took the red phone out of his hands. Is that right? I'm just talking about suckers, Frank? And now, Geraldo Lorenz falls into that category. Just make sure we have all the telephone records of his call to C.B. Lawrence in New York. No, he just moved to Tampa from Key West. He's there right where they want him to be, right. Thank you. I only wish we found those sons of bitches in Cuba. Right. Santo is out of the area. Very good. I'll get the cash to Hemming and the rest of them. Oh, and Frank... Check out the Floridian one more time. I think it's a perfect location. And tell Barker to call me back now. Goodbye. Martino took Moynihan by the arm and led him onto the terrace. Sherry whispered to Patch, Rosselli is the hub of the wheel. Patch gripped the thirty-eight as he listened at the bedroom door. Voices he did not recognize talked about covert operations along the Cuban coast. Several of the men were veterans of the Bay of Pigs invasion over two years ago. One actually spent time in a Havana jail. All of them were upset with President Kennedy for not having sent jets in to protect them on a beach in Cuba. The group left after 3 a.m. in loud automobiles and trucks. After a few minutes, he heard nothing. Then a new voice raged on the phone. I don't care about your big plans. I do not care who wants to join us in Cuba. Patch leaned toward the cracked open door. General, a corporate still has to be successful. Then you create the disruption. I am heading back to Miami. Just do my job. What? No. No, Jose. I heard Traficante say it. You don't understand. This man is in trouble. He's going to be hit. The Cuban slammed down the phone front door creaked open and shut tightly a car started and the headlights soon passed over the bedroom wall the noise of the car faded and the night was still patch held the gun as he crawled in bed with sherry but he lay awake with his heart thumping the entire gulf coast swarmed with fighting and death and patch had no idea where it would end Complete audiobook of Return to Dallas is available at audible.com.